Psalm 13:6. I will sing to the Lord, because He has dealt bountifully with me. When God comes calling, Day 19, Epilogue by Peggy Fletcher. Forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on. Philippians 3:13. One must wait until the evening to see how splendid the day has been. Sophocles. For more than 47 years, it was my privilege to be married to the most wonderful man I have ever known. Ted was a man unusually blessed by God. He devoted his entire life to the Savior he loved, to his family, and to an ever-widening circle of friends—supporters, former schoolmates, marine buddies, and missionaries all over the world. He regularly witnessed to unbelievers, sharing his personal faith even with complete strangers. He had an uncanny ability to get things done and desired to complete all that God had intended for his life's work. Ted led others with a vision enlarged by his gift of faith, and he used his spiritual gifts of exhortation and giving to encourage others in their work for the Lord. He genuinely and deeply loved people, and in return, many felt that he was their best friend. To me, Ted was my greatest model of love, tenderness, prayer, faith, encouragement, and gentle, godly wisdom. I could always count on him to know the right thing to do and to say, often interspersed with timely humor to lighten a difficult situation. His love and guidance are still a great loss to me. Ted's final words, "I want to finish well," marked his last months of life. In the weeks leading up to his passing, Ted worked daily to help a team of Ghanaian missionaries serving with Pioneers Africa to raise funds to start their ministry among the 350,000 Banda Ligbi people. On the day Ted was buried, the final funds were pledged to support the team and provide a vehicle for their ministry. Ted saw God open the way before him wherever he traveled. Now it was my turn to face the challenges of life and ministry, and keep climbing without him by my side, so that I too might finish well. Taking my first baby steps in 2004, I traveled to Ghana with our son John to visit the team serving the Banda Ligbi. The Banda and Ligbi were two closely related animistic. Muslim tribal people who live as small-scale subsistence farmers in a very remote part of Ghana. Their villages were a few days' walk from the nearest small town, so I was thankful for the four-wheel drive vehicle that took us hours beyond where the paved road ended and the dirt trail began. Our joy was great as we learned that several churches were being planted. One evening. One even meeting in the shade of the village's massive jacaranda tree. One of the tribal chiefs gave us a royal welcome as we were ushered into the walled courtyard outside his home, with hundreds of villagers gathered to the sound of the beating drums. When we asked him what the needs of the people were, the chief explained that the children of the surrounding villages would leave to attend secondary school in the big city. Some would never return. He appealed to pioneers to help them establish a secondary school to be shared by the villages. 
In the months that followed, we saw the Lord provide the funds to establish this school and to open doors for the gospel among the, these needy people. Later, the Lord led Dr. Margaret Mensah, formerly on our team in Mauritania, to demonstrate the compassion of Christ even further through the Banda Health Center, a church-planting-focused health ministry. While in Ghana, I attended Pioneers Africa's Desert Streams Consultation on Reaching Arab North Africa, held in the capital of Accra. Fifty like-minded mission and church leaders from Africa and around the world attended and pledged themselves to work toward a plan for sending teams to the countries of Libya, Sudan, and Mauritania. I was thrilled, as I knew Ted would be, to anticipate the potential of an African missionary force empowered to assume their God-given place in the Great Commission. The following year, I traveled to Afghanistan, one of the world's least developed and least reached countries, enmeshed in a seemingly unending war. I was shocked by what I saw, the rubble of bullet-riddled mud-brick buildings, beggars and signs of poverty everywhere. Only a few adult men seemed to be around. Years of war had decimated their numbers. I was captivated by the young children and their burqa-clad mothers who suffered exclusion and oppression as their unique God-created beauty was hidden behind the veils. I was especially touched by the widows who, like me, would live on without their life partners. Amid the overwhelming needs, I was encouraged to see the gospel taking root through the witness of our first workers and teams there. Pioneers missionary women were helping the Afghani women pursue their education and gain work skills. Since Ted's death, God has impressed on me more than ever before the need to devote myself to prayer for missionaries such as these who serve in incredibly challenging circumstances. They are my heroes. Almost immediately following Ted's passing, I moved back to Orlando, Florida to be near the Pioneers USA office and my four children and 16 grandchildren. I remain involved in various programs and events and especially enjoy getting to know our new missionary candidates during our candidate orientation programs. This year, we will see about 200 new candidates attend our orientation in the USA and many others through mobilization offices around the world. My move was also timely as I joined my daughter Arlene in a new Pioneers ministry, now called Latitudes. This business ministry venture provides an income for many struggling and disadvantaged people from unreached groups around the world by marketing indigenous handmade crafts, furniture, and direct trade coffee. Latitudes continues to grow with a shop on our Orlando campus, a warehouse and shop in Texas, an online store, latitudesstore.com, and craft showings at churches and special events around the country. I find joy in knowing that needy people, including persecuted believers, experience some economic relief as their craft provides a basic income. In addition, the gospel gains up hearing in the marketplace as people are helped in the name of Jesus. Our finest hour. The world of missions is changing rapidly. More than 300 Pioneers teams now serve in more than 100 countries, helping to plant the seed of the gospel in changing environments. A growing number of our workers are serving in marketplace roles, 
sharing their faith and making disciples while meeting the health, economic, educational, and agricultural needs of unreached communities. We work in collaboration with thousands of churches and organizations that are part of the Great Commission community, helping to ensure that their work, workers serve effectively. Here in the U.S., Pioneers serves as a partner to more than 3,000 mission-minded churches who are committed to obeying Christ's mandate to take the saving message of the gospel to the nations. I imagine that Ted would have been amazed to see the way in which God has continued to multiply the impact of our small steps of faith years ago. Today, 40 years later, Pioneers is still helping to blaze new paths in mission, in global partnership, church planting, mobilization of new workers, financial stewardship, and innovative strategies. Our overarching goal is to honor the Lord and his mission in all that we do. Winston Churchill once said, to each there comes in his or her lifetime a special moment when they are tapped on the shoulder and offered the opportunity to do a very special thing, unique to them and fitted to their talent given by the Lord and the strength to do it. What a tragedy if that moment finds them unprepared or unqualified for that which could have been their finest hour. When Ted and I answered God's call four decades ago, we did so without the missionary training, degrees, and experience that one would normally expect of someone qualified to start a new mission agency. We ventured down this path by faith, just two ordinary people with little idea where God would take us, and no master plan to guide us. God brought around us many wonderful people with similar vision. Together we clung solely to God's promises. Today I marvel at all the Lord has done in shaping the original vision, increasing the numbers of workers, and expanding the work in ways we never dreamed possible. Hebrews 11 lists many of the ordinary men and women of faith who responded to the shoulder tap when God came calling. They were faithful to the faithful one, believing that God himself would enable them to do the extraordinary things he asked of them. Among those mentioned is Moses, who spent 80 years being prepared by God for a job that would last 40. It seems much of Ted's life and mine were spent getting ready for what seems in retrospect like a brief season. At the outside of outset of pioneers everything we did may have appeared to be small and insignificant to the casual observer yet ted and i learned that if we are in faithful in doing what god wants in that little thing then god can make it great for his glory and for our blessing and the blessing of countless others this is the same lesson and principle that our missionaries learn and practice around the world in the hard places among the unreached a man or woman who walks with God creates a pathway for others to follow. I wonder if you will join us on this path of faith to take the gospel to the ends of the earth in obedience to Christ's last command. For years, simple words on a wooden plaque that hung on the wall of our home reminded me, Ted and our four children, that God never asks about our ability or our inability, but about our availability. When God comes calling in your life, will you answer his call and make yourself available, despite how you might feel about your inabilities and your past mistakes? Whatever your journey or career successes, is there something more that God has planned for you in the area of mission work to touch the nations and peoples of our world? Now may be the time to step out in faith and discover his calling. Do so without further delay.
the living God who calls you to serve him, however big or however small the assignment, whether at home or in some foreign land, will give you all that's needed to fulfill that call. The Great Story The Greek playwright Sophocles once wrote that one must wait until the evening to see how splendid the day has been. In these evening years of my life, I not only see how splendid the day has been, but by faith I see the first light of the morning sun rising on a new day of mission work to be done in the far-off corners of the world. The great challenge now and for the next generation is to carry Christ's vision for the unreached forward to completion with unceasing prayer and spirit-empowered creativity, energy, and boldness. Jesus is coming again soon, and the best is yet to be. C.S. Lewis captured something of the wonder of the eternal joy that awaits us when he concluded the drama of Apocalypse and Redemption in Volume 7 of the Chronicles of Narnia, The Last Battle. For us, this is the end of all the stories, but for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world and all their adventures had only been the cover and the title page. Now at last, they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. Soli Deo Gloria. To God alone be the glory. Peggy Fletcher, Orlando, Florida, July 2020. And that's the end. Wow. Yeah. Uh-huh. Any thoughts? Forget what lies behind. Praise on what lies ahead. Yes. Agreed. I feel like um, both of them have such strong spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... They just keep pushing, keep moving forward. Yeah. And they make us make us such perfect match to each other. They are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess for any calling from God, but God knows. I I believe God must know we cannot do it alone. We need a partner. We need a team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We need to like we need to team up to support to build up each other. Yes. Definitely. Yeah. So yeah, at the end of the book mm-hmm. I feel so passionate. Yeah. Definitely. It's very and, inspiring. Very inspiring, right? And, uh, yeah, it's, it's caused me to come to think what's my calling from mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. Even if my work is my calling, mm-hmm. so I want to do as good as possible mm-hmm. in my work. like, I also know, I don't know about counseling. Hmm. I don't know why when I talk with someone seriously, they just, oh, I look at someone, they just get out. I don't know why. They just what? Break out. Break out? 
Freak out. Freak out. Yeah. Oh. What do you mean? My eye is so penetrating, I guess. Mm, okay. <laughs> I don't know why. They are so scared at me. Oh. Scared at me look at them and ask some question. I just curious and I ask in a very gentle tone. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I just curious why they are scared, freak out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I guess you are a very intense person. Yeah, you told me before, like, years ago, you already think my eyes are intense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The eyes... Yeah. Eyes, huh? eyes are the window to your soul, so you have a very intense soul. What does that mean, have an intense soul? Um, I think you are very brave and courageous and you are very focused and in pursuing the things that you want. So you have just very intense approach towards life. Wow. Mm -hmm. And what I, I don't know. I ask, I ask uh, until I get the answer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, yeah. I don't know. Well, I point out something just by observation mm -hmm. and feel maybe insecure. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, so I don't know if counseling is. Uh, It could be something that you do on the side. Mm -hmm. May God, may God leave me. Uh, you definitely have the talent for it. Uh, I, yeah. How do you think you're about any thoughts about, about this book as since it's the ending? Um, yeah, it does, it makes me wonder, like, what about my own calling, because I like what he, what she said about Winston Churchill saying the quote about how it would be a tragedy for us to be unprepared for what could be our finest hour, so I'm just, like, wondering, like, what is that? What is the thing that I that is unique to me that I am most fitted to do that will make a difference in the world? Uh huh. Yeah. Maybe think about something. It's uh, relatively easier for you to do, or you are more interested to do compared with uh, things. Uh, um, it's a, meanwhile, it's, it might be difficult for others to do, mm -hmm. or, or they don't like. Yeah. Yeah, something unique to me. Mm -hmm. 
And I also like what she said about how um, when you're faithful in the little things, then God gives you big things. So I think right now I am in the stage of trying to be faithful to the little things. And then, yeah, because yeah, I'm still young and probably not ready to um, do anything major. <laughs> It's a great book to lead us to be more brave and courageous. Yes, definitely. Ted and Peggy's story is very inspirational. Very inspirational. They are not. They are. They are not afraid to be different mm -hmm. and press on to be different to their calling to their goal and take risk absolutely and take risk yeah and i think another thing that really struck me is how like it took them so long the preparation for what they were going to do and all that time, like, they felt frustrated that they weren't able to work in missions. But all that time, like, they were making contacts, like, God was, like, building their, all of their experiences, like, came into play when they, when they finally started the missions board. Like, they knew people from their work, and, like, all that time, God was preparing them for for what they were going to do so yeah I think like when the preparation stage is that long it means that the work is going to be more more intense and more impactful oh my gosh I realized it's true mm -hmm. should I stop recording now oh yeah please